0: Welcome to the latest edition of the Carmichael Governance Podcast. I'm Dermot O'Carbouille, CEO of Carmichael. Carmichael is a charity that provides supports to other Irish charities, particularly in the area of governance. You can find details of what we do and a wide range of free resources on our website. That's carmichaelireland.ie. You can also find previous editions of our governance podcast on our website or on your favourite podcast platform, be that SoundCloud, Apple, Spotify, ACAST. My guest today is Eamon Stack, outgoing CEO of Include, a charity that provides IT technology support to other charities, a bit like Carmichael, but they're focused on the IT aspect of it. Eamon has been the founding CEO of this organisation, but um, Eamon, you have a, a wonderful journey of how you ended up in Include, and I wouldn't mind if you give us a, sort of a, a, an overview of your journey today to date, wh- where it has led you to Include and where you are now.
1: Yeah, uh, I'm delighted, delighted to be here in, in Carmichael again. Uh, I've been many visits here and uh, in fact my first IT project was here in the Carmichael Centre in, in uh, 2004, so in the TSS, the training department. So, uh, um, But before that I had a long history in the charity sector, so um, I started off actually with a totally different career. I studied engineering in Trinity and uh, I thought that's where I was going to go. This was my kind of my heart is in that. And in engineering, I focused on computer engineering, which was a new a new department. There was only six of us out of 114 that did computer engineering. But it was when I was in Trinity, I had a look at Ireland, and I saw it that, a part that I didn't like. And so I was in inner city Dublin in the early 80s. And I found it very hard to square the poverty I saw all around me with the privilege of Trinity College. And... Um, I began to ask, you know, why is this, and is this okay, and um, that's what changed me. I kind of said, no, it's it's grand being an engineer and doing engineering things, but actually the issue here for Ireland is, how do we stop Ireland being so divided, and how do we deal with with the poverty that's all around us, and give everyone a fair chance to share in the riches of this fantastic island. So um, at that stage, I I got to know uh, Peter McFerry, and he was a champion for social justice, Interesting, a lot of religious people at that stage, a lot of priests um, followed Mass, Father Casey's, you know, they were famous social campaigners. So I decided to join the Jesuits and uh, change the world, and that's, that's where I started. Um, and my first uh, job then was in Limerick Youth Services, uh, working with young offenders and I was hopeless, I learned a lot, <laughs> but uh, th- you know, that's where you got the, the cold face and so um, the hard work of dealing with the, the consequences of poverty and division and lack of education. And uh, after that then I had to do more studies and I ended up sharing a flat with Peter McVerry for four years in Ballymun, the eighth floor of a block of flats and um, I tell you I still smell it. I still you you know you could smell the poverty, smell alienation around it, and uh you know it's, 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 yep, it, was, it, it, it has it affects me you know it 's in my bones that idea that we we, we still uh, we 've made a lot of progress in Ireland, but we 've still a long way to go there's still lots of people who are on the margins and excluded and you know not not benefiting from what we should have and don 't have an opportunity to have happy lives and uh, what 's great is that that the the charity sector is an area of society that is able to deal with that, that's willing to deal with that, okay. and that has the, um, the what you call it, vitality to do it. So that's uh, that's why I kind of dedicated my life you to working in charities. You spent a bit of time up in the north, didn't you? I did, yes, yeah. So uh, in the early 90s, then I was posted uh, to um, Drumcree Community Centre on the Garvahi Road in Portadown, and it was... Um, it was a flashpoint. Flash point. <laughs> and uh, it, th- 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 there had always been tensions around parades. I mean, people with long memories would be re- will remember the 85. There was a huge parades trouble in, in part of Portadown called the Tunnel. But in um, 95, the, there was a new reality in the north. There was a peace process... And people wanted to see the effects of the peace process. And one thing that really annoyed the communities is a lot of the orange parading through areas. Not that they were against the orange parading, but it resulted in riots and destruction and division. And that's what was the the problem. So um, a new thing emerged was a united nationalist group which merged the, the, um, the SDLP types with the Sinn Féin types working together on a campaign. So this was new in Ireland because of the peace process, and we decided to say we're taking on a particular parade that went right through the middle of our estate and resulted in violence. And little did we know that this was going to become the hottest uh, flashpoint in Ireland for four years. The, yeah, so it's, 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 I, like, a lot of people now listening won't remember this. Yes, you know, this was know. the 90s. Um, but let's just say as a... It con- was a raw tension wise and, the, the, and there was a lot of extreme violence ar- in the back around that whole uh, uh, issue around that yeah so we were a, you know a small community group like there were 6000 nationalists in Portadown out of a 30000 population and we were a small a small group within that but against us we ended up against the Orange Order and the Unionist Party. So we were down in our little community, and there would be 50,000 people two miles up the road who were going mad, who we could see on television, but could hear. And it, it was a David and Goliath situation. But the truth was, right was on our side. This, this was not a good thing in the new peace Northern Ireland. It's not good that we celebrate our identities in the faces of other people. It's really good that you celebrate your identity, but do it either in a, at an appropriate time in the town centre, like St. Patrick's Parade. A or, respectful way. Uh, a respectful way for everybody. And um, so, yeah, that was, that was really interesting. But, you know, it, it, when you have a very coherent community and voluntary organisation, no matter how small they are, and they're really clear that they're promoting universal values. So their universal value was equal citizenship for Northern Ireland. We wanted it for equal, equal for the Orange Men, equal for ourselves. It turned out that we, we had right on our side and eventually the state came behind us and in, there was there hasn't been a parade through the nationalist area in Portadown since since uh, ninety seven.
0: What led you to the founding of Include? And you might you might explain to people that may not be familiar with Include what actually it does. Because I, I when i say to Carmichael, so you take sometimes from people that know it's it's obvious what we do, but for people that don't know, sometimes I have to go and explain a little bit about what what's the challenges we try to address. But in
1: terms of Include, what led you to set this organisation up? I think it, 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 when you're clear on your mission, okay, so we want to deal with social issues in Ireland to make Ireland a more equal and united place. I was involved in a situation in Portadown, Down. And what people don't know is, is a backstory behind that. Technology was an essential part of the campaign of this little group. And at that stage, the technology was just a, a fax modem attached to an early stage PC that we were able to use this to get our message out. And it was vital for our success. And then after the, um, when I left Portadon I came to Dublin, and um, I worked in the the noughties on the Make Poverty History campaign. So this was um, a a great united campaign of the development organisations of Concern and Trocora and Chris Denaid and Oxfam and all the others, who were preparing for a meeting of the G8 in Scotland, and they wanted to push their message that we wanted to cancel debt, that we wanted fair trade in the world, and that we wanted the countries to follow up on their UN commitment to give 0.7% of their GDP to development in the world. That would make the world uh, more equal. So that's when I began to realize technology was key for that success, that we needed to have a united campaign and a united message, but that had to be brought together in a central database. And that massive database of Irish charities Created a momentum that, on the back of the the Make Poverty History British campaign, that uh, we ended up with twenty thousand people out in the streets of Dublin, the biggest non-profit organised event ever in Ireland. <laughs> and behind it was a database, the the fact that we had the contacts with these people, and of course upfront were okay. consistent message uh, that people understood. And um, I think it was so powerful that on the night of the uh, parade. Um, I was with um, the CEO of Trocara, Justin Kilcullen, at that time. He got a text message from the minister saying, you've made your point. <laughs> we'll increase <laughs> our commitment to Overseas Development Aid. That was probably worth a billion euro a year to Overseas Development Aid. It's Just fantastic success. But again, like the Garbahi Road, I could see the technology behind the the organisation. As an enabler. As a huge enabler, as a very powerful and significant enabler. So um, after that I began to wonder, uh, sometimes I call it my midlife opportunity, I was a bit older, I had been on the front line, and Uh, I I was was a little more mature as well, and and I kind of said, what was the infrastructure thing that would change the charity? So I spent six months in the Centre for Nonprofit Management in Trinity, looking at how we use technology, right across the sector, to be very disappointed. (laughs) Disappointed that there was no system, there was no strategy for the sector using it. It was essentially a piecemeal approach. And what was worse from um, my um, professional engineering point of view is a lot of personal technology was being used instead of professional technology. What Um, do you mean by personal? So personal technology would be Microsoft Word and email (laughs) and... um, now it would be social media things. You know, people we, we use for our personal lives, when actually the best of technology is a core, single source of truth, this core database. And so this is one of the, the, the projects of Include. It's about not giving people loads of technology, but giving people the, the technology that creates transformation. So just so
0: that I understand the point, people were using email and texts and all the rest of it, but it was all disparate. There was no, no, no connection, so the organisation didn't have one clear view of all its connections or all, all, its connections. All, all, all its relationships, so it
1: was individuals had bits of it. Yes, yes, I mean, and relationships is an interesting word. It's relationship management technology, so everything we do is about building relationships and we, we weren't using that. We were using p- bits and pieces of technology, spot solutions, rather than working towards uh, you know, a single source of truth of which kind of we gathered all our learning and then we use that to improve what we do. And that's a big challenge, you know, that's a, that's very expensive technology or has been very expensive. And again, there was no tradition of using it. So NCLUDE was founded to say, can we change the game here? Can we change the approach the charities have to technology to focusing on this single source of truth, central technology in which all our information goes into and all our information goes out, and that that sense of truth also carries the processes, the good processes in delivering service. So if you bring it down to an individual person coming to us for service, if their information is in spreadsheets here, in emails here, and whatever, then we have no 360-degree view of that person. We have no sense of their story. Whereas if you get that information into one place, then you know, I can go in and I can see, oh yeah, I can see where Pat came in, I can see what his presenting issues were, I can see his assessment of his problem. I have in front of me his care plan to get him from where he is to a better place and we'll, together we'll work that plan.
0: Joining all these different interventions that the person may have received, and sort of may see gaps or may see things that might have fallen between the cracks, because if it's all isolated, nobody gets that's a full picture, m- of, the picture of, of, of the complex relationship that the, the organisation may have with that person in terms of providing services but and developing exactly a, a, a plan for them. Yes, so yes. this technology allows you to capture, but
1: then everybody that needs to... Be able to get a full picture of that relationship. Of, of, this, of this, this person's story yeah. and that there, that there is a plan and we're all working to this plan. Whereas if I'm just doing bits and pieces of activity with Joe or Mary or whatever, it's not the same as working through a systematic plan. And that's, you know, that's essentially called good practice. Yeah. So the technology ironically holds the good practice because every person who's working with this client using the technology is brought through that process in the same way. And then all the information is gathered together. But then, like the two of us as, as managers, we realise, now all my information is in one place. I can look across all my clients and how are we doing with everybody? And what areas of work are we making most progress? What are the problem areas that we need work at? So the, the information system now, which was primarily used for uh, client work, suddenly becomes the valuable management information system f- so that we can find out what's going on, find out what's working not working, and make our organisations better. So that's level two. And that's because technology is, 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 unlike paper, allows us to query it. We have huge extra power now as a result of that first step of getting our data in one place. So that's, that's hugely significant. But then, say, we're working with um, down in Mallow with Anchor Addiction Centre, Treatment Centre down there. That, and we, we give them the technology, and it's helping them do their work. But what about all the other addiction centres in Cork? What about all the other addiction centres in Munster and in Ireland? What are they all doing and are they all achieving? So if all of them are using bits and pieces of technology, we have no central information. But if all of them are using central systems, and if we can get those central systems to talk together, suddenly we've got incredibly powerful information about where we're at in Ireland. I mean, for me, there's the, the basic question. You know, are we winning or are we losing here? Like addiction is a course in Irish society, maybe a little bit more in other societies, it affects so many people, not just the person who's got the addiction, but everyone says four other people are significantly impacted. And we'd like to know, are we doing, is is what we're doing doing better? And that's where the information becomes more powerful. So include really, that's what we aspire to, is building at the local level, then networking all that information so that we have information to advocate for change that will help improve the situation. You've got an
0: evidence base to be able to put the case, you've got facts, figures and case histories to to support the arguments you're making. In in a more general term, because you've been around the space now for quite some time and you, you, you have observed a lot that's happening in the sector and a lot of changes in the sector, but even today, 2020, generally charities are not good at using IT. What's your thoughts on why is that the case?
1: Oh, dear. It, it, it sounded like enclude has failed. We, we, if that's still the case, there's more work to be done. There's more work to be done on this. I, I, I think the um, the challenges are, yeah, we, we, we're, we're not quite there yet. We're, we still tend to use multiple bits and pieces of technology, but it's changing. Um, the good news is technology has got cheaper. You know, we talked about relationships being core, but relationship management technology as a core type of database technology, that's become cheap and it's also donated to charities so I think what's needed is to have a strategy around the use of the best technology to help us increase our impact and then to have a process of getting that out to everybody and the key word to there is collaboration we need to work together the different organizations who are involved need to collaborate together to improve the situation
0: well, these are also sorry just cut across a, a cultural chain and the reason why is I just had before this had a conversation with our IT uh, Manager here, Derek, and he was talking about because we were sort of doing different scenarios. If we, due to the coronavirus, if we have to close the building, how many of our staff would be able to continue to work from another location? And he was highlighting that there are still people saving data to their C drives rather than to the server. Yeah, yeah. And that, and I said, well, are we still are we still at that stage? You know, um, that where we're still not integrated, and that's that's nothing to do with include or anything. That's a yeah, cultural thing in that it hasn't part of that, yeah, yeah. that. we still. Yeah. Take shortcuts and those shortcuts can be costly in the longer term because we don't yes. We get hit by something like this, and people says, Well, all my valuable data that I should have on, on, the, on the cloud or, cloud or whatever, system, central, central system. system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. my colleague can't share that with me. That,
1: that's right, that's right. No, no, and I, but one is I, I smile when I think of this, it's, it's a classic problem, even with the paper based systems, you know, that in the old prior to technology, there was a filing cabinet that was at the centre and the files in the centre. But the, the curse of the filing cabinet was the, the bottom drawer, they called it, where, where people kept their files in their drawers instead of putting them into the filing cabinet. Now, we have the same I'm, I'm technology. Guilty. The technology problem the same. People keep information in, the, in their private space rather than in the common space. And that's a, a management challenge there rather than an individual challenge. The, the, the policy has to be all your, all your information has to be in the centre place but you know that's for the document information but for your other information your client information you, everything should be in a central database and that those databases are best cloud-based online databases and the best ones are then the crms so um, and they're donated to people so we're currently working say with peter McVary trust which is a huge organization and And they're moving all their processes into one central place. So it's all their client work, all their bed management, all their risk assessments, all their HR work, everything in one central place. That is where you need to go if you want to increase your impact. And you do that in a structured way so that you do it. It's built in that what we're doing here is not just to be efficient, but to be effective. We tend to still look at what
0: we're not doing right, but you would have close up familiarity with some very innovative things that are happening in yes, the sector. Yes, yes, you yeah, might yeah, talk yeah. us through one or two examples of some really cutting edge stuff that's happening in the charity sector that people mightn't be aware of
1: that has applicability in a whole yeah. range of other uses. I, I, I think one of, one of my uh, favourite pieces of work was um, with um, Pieta House. You know, like Pieta House is one example of charity dealing with a critical situation in Ireland a very painful area of, of suicide and of young people committing suicide and um, Joan uh, Freeman the senator started it off so she she started it off in Lucan and then she worked with a lady called Cathy Kelly, who was, information, who was their operations manager. So she got me involved in terms of information management for Beeta House, but Joan didn't have much time for me in the early days because <laughs> she was focused on mission and solving this chronic problem of suicide. But over time, Joan began to realize that the information was really important, <laughs> that if she wanted to know what was actually going on in terms of, of, of um, their engagement with clients, it was in their database, and and so she <laughs> changed her attitude. So that 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 is an example. Then that organisation has grown. I don't know if they have twenty branches. And then when Consol collapsed and was done away, Pieta House had the systems to be able to bring all the console work into Pieta House. And you know, while we hear the exterior uh, issue of um, Pieta and essentially re- rescuing the very valuable work that Console was doing, you know, Pieta had to have the infrastructure to do that. So that that's one example. And there was one other
0: one in terms of using um, caseworkers in, in, in the homeless
1: area to sort of t- to using apps and things like y- that. Yeah, well, the, I think this is the future. Okay. Right. The, 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 wh- so if you get your data together in one single place, okay, it's still that information about my story as a homeless person is on your system. Can I get that onto my own mobile app? So we have this uh, project we call the SUMA project, the service user mobile app working with DePaul. And the idea is that the the homeless person can access that central information with an app on their own phone. So they know their appointments, what are coming up, and they can change them from their phone. And they know the relevant information about what's going on that will help me in my story. And also they get a picture of their journey, of where do I need to go to get myself ultimately to get a home uh, uh, and so that's their care plan that that is the ideal in terms of empowering somebody that you give them access to their own information and this project i think is where we all need to go that when we're serving people that we and we don't disempower them by holding all the cards close to our table so but give them their
0: own data and their own care plan they can Add to it, and they can uh, request say, additional services based on... The, yes, based, yes. They're basically, they empowered to know what's available.
1: And, and this is hugely valuable information yeah. for everybody. It's valuable for them, but it's also valuable for the service to know how the client is engaging. And one of our huge areas is, is recurring problems. You know, people falling back into homelessness, falling back into addiction, into dis- domestic violence, repeating. And so if you have this, this data, you can spot um, red flag issues early and sometimes red flag issues are a bit subtle there's a few things happen. But if you have a central information system that's been fed by the client, you will have, be able to have an algorithm, little program running behind artificial to spot intelligence it. Type it's thing it's at, you know, wide open to artificial intelligence, and that's, you know, we need to be open for that. But again, uh, German, this, we have to get our act together at the very basics before we have the potential of using this. What do you see as some of the
0: exciting opportunities that you see coming down the tracks for, that the sector can get into or, or, or needs
1: to avail of? I think um, change is the big agenda. We, we we need to change, and change now is the big political word. We don't want status quo. Like Charity is about changing society, about alleviating poverty, promoting education where there is no education. Sometimes I think our biggest problem is we're not promoting change, we're promoting the status quo. So in order to change things, you need to be systematic about it. So I do think we need to look at how we are more systematic as a sector dealing with the major social issues and then from an infrastructure point of view of the charity sector we we need to build our capacities so NCLUDE is all about, about about building the ICT the information management capacity of sectors and we have kind of 21 staff focused on that but what about the areas of government do we have 21 staff focused on governments Are 21 staff focused on finance and HR and management strategy and so on I think we lack that I think as it stands, the the, the, we, the infrastructures, organisations are more focused on putting out fires or just maintaining the situation as it is. So I, I think that we have a huge potential to build our capacity and I think we lack that at the minute. What sort of things would you like to
0: see happening if you had three wishes for the sector? What would they be in terms of wearing your technology hat in terms of what would you like to see happening over the next five to ten years in the sector? Since
1: we started, okay, since Include started, we always had this image that there would be a table for the nonprofit sector, a strategic table where people would sit around and bring different competency areas around the table to look at how we develop the sector. So there'd be people expert in finance, there'd be people expert in HR, in strategy and governance and so on. That's what I think we need. We don't have that You know, at all, and so we've ended up and feeling very lonely for 15 years. That 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 we're we're just odd. We're an exception, and yet I think we have shown that if you focus on a capacity area, you can have huge impact. Well, what if we focused on all areas of capacity building? We could transform the nonprofit sector and our question always is how can we increase our impact with the limited resources we have how can we reduce poverty how can we reduce alienation and marginalization in society so that that's what i think we need to do i don't know how we're going to get there i the, the only answer is is collaboration we have to be willing to collaborate and sadly to to say there's a little bit of lack of that so the sector needs a massive leadership Element to to bring this force together to to plan and strategize to change Ireland.
0: Have you any plans for the media future, or is it, or is it, you know after
1: steering the ship for fifteen years yeah. is, it sort of, is it a sort of take, take take a bit of time out, or what, what, what's your plan? Um, so just to say, leaving a fantastic group of staff in Enclude. there's a team that are, are, are fantastic. You know, like, it's not me. I think that my biggest success is bringing people together who are good. So I, I think that Include needs a new leadership to bring it to the next level. I'm focused on energy and climate change. So I'm looking for a job from Greta, if she'd give me a job, and to apply some of my engineering skills to that issue. I think the problem at this moment is conversation. How can we have conversations about the changes that are needed so that we deal in a meaningful and strategic way with this huge crisis? I'm at an age where I, I don't need to earn too much money. I've a, a certain amount of wisdom built up over the years, and I hope to use that to nourish those conversations that will help us to move towards a more sustainable future.
0: Thank you very much, Evan. It's been fascinating, as always, having a chat to you about things, technology. But it also, it's that... Remember that technology is core to making change happen, and we, as you highlight in so many other areas, there's so many societal challenges and problems that we do need to tackle. We do need to look at the impact we're making, and technology has a critical part to play. And we may not see that as readily as we should. So I think reminding ourselves, of all the CEOs in the sector and beyond to say what can we do collectively and individually to improve our impact and how can we harness technology to do so. So thank you very much, Eamon, and the very best of luck in your next chapter. Thank you, Dermot. Lovely to talk to you. Thank you for listening to our latest Carmichael Governance podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, it would be of great benefit to us if you could give it a rating as that helps to create greater awareness of these podcasts. So until the next time, slán go